Welcome to Growth Mindset On. I'm Krishna Kruchanu, your host, and the objective of this podcast is bringing you conversation with change makers. I will be interviewing inspiring people in order to equip you with the mindset needed to achieve success. Uh, hello, good morning, uh, Mario. Uh, it's such a nice pleasure to have you at Growth Mindset On. And uh, as I normally do, I ask guests to introduce themselves. So can you explain me more things about you, please? Sure, absolutely. My name is Mario Francesco. I'm right now 26 years old. And, well, I finished my degree in business administration five years ago in Sade. After Sade, I tried to launch my own company called Duvalon, which basically was a SaaS solution that allowed uh, big corporations in the uh, restoration uh, uh, services industry to filter candidates through video. I made all the mistakes that most young entrepreneurs do. So I decided to make a step back and learn from the very best projects that I could uh, be in contact with in the, in the Spanish ecosystem. After Javaloon, uh, I joined Intellectium, which basically is a, a startup accelerator that helps companies with fundraising, both public and private fundraising. We help companies like Globo, Captio, Infly, and other companies that went very well. Uh, after Intellectium, I decided to make another step back and understand a bit more about technology and how to build products and I joined uh, Iron Hack and made a uh, book up there to understand a bit more about the technology. So uh, whenever I, I become an entrepreneur again, I, I will probably make it a, a bit better in terms of like product development and, and, and product testing. And while I was uh, there in Iron Hack, I saw that Carlos Blanco, who is one of the managing partners of Encomenda, was launching uh, Encomenda, and I'll explain a bit more what Encomenda is afterwards. Uh, so I decided to contact him, and I found out that one of uh, his former uh, co-founders in Akamon, who was a company that he sold for more than three, three million euros, uh, like three years ago, uh, was one of the customers or entrepreneurs that I was helping in the previous accelerator. So. I contacted him and through that I could somehow meet Carlos and then I joined a Connector for six months. Connector is another server accelerator uh, that has uh, incubated uh, accelerators for companies like Globo itself, also Goi, uh, and so on. And then I joined uh, Encomenda Smart Capital, which is uh, the fund uh, I work in with right now. Wow, that's such a, an outstanding uh, curriculum vitae, definitely. Well, I, I, only, I only know about the startups. I mean, like, you put me uh, like, inside a big corporation and I have no idea what to do. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think normally, normally corporations, you know, uh, probably they already have very, very um, streamed way of working, which is something probably as uh, the creative you are and the journey you've done probably wouldn't, wouldn't be the best. I don't know. But, but wow, it's, uh, can I hire you? I'm just kidding. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or can a listener hire you because uh, uh, when well, all- actually actually we're, we're looking for people that help that can help us in, in encomenda so if there's anybody that can help us with the marketing and a bit more about in in the process of uh, finding out the best entrepreneurs like, I don't know maybe I'm the one uh, hiring you okay nice nice that's uh, that's uh, that's interesting so basically uh, wow, you're 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 so young and you've done so many things because normally people, uh, I don't know, at this age haven't done so much. Probably they're they've taken some time out of the uni and and you know they're chilling trying to find their job. But you like it seems like from the very beginning you kind of knew that the uh, the startup world really uh, you're passionate about it and you kind of follow the path that took you uh, where you are right now. I, I think that. In my case, I was very lucky. Uh, I made a, uh, an exchange program in Shanghai. And one week before the program finished, there was a, a, you know, this uh, startup week. Uh, the startup weekend, sorry, in Shanghai was basically is a weekend where everybody like joins together and starts, tries to launch an idea and so on. I fell in love with that. Like at the moment I saw that, uh, it I, I, I talked to me, and uh, to, to myself and I said that's what I want to do in my life. So basically you also you went you were one of the persons who were like super proactive and went uh, to Carlos Blanco which is a very quite well-known figure here in a, in the start- startup ecosystem here in Spain as mm-hmm. an investor is, uh, and basically because he has a venture builder as you say connector um, an accelerator so he's very very involved so you, you were the one approaching him. I thought you guys already knew before, uh, knew each other before. Is, is that the case or? Well, in a particular case, uh, before uh, looking at the newspaper and considering that Carlos was launching this new project and was looking for people, I had no idea about like the companies that Carlos Blanco had already like, previously launched. I knew who Carlos Blanco is because at the end, as you have said, he's uh, one of the most prominent figures here in, in Spain. Like Carlos has, I don't know, invested in more than 80 companies himself. Wow. He, he's, he, he, like, he's a super business angel. He has also launched uh, a lot of good companies. Uh, Akamon was one, but now with Nucleo, he has also launched Halfai, uh, which is a company that is working super well, and many other companies that are in the process of, of becoming successful successful startups. And at the end, something that I always say, uh, say to entrepreneurs: uh, the more the more proactive attitude that you have, the more probability that you have, that you may have to attract talent around you and, and be successful. And uh, I, I told Carlos that I want to be like a sponge, absorb as many concepts and ideas and know-how and experience. And then uh, once I, I feel that I'm in the right moment to launch a new company, I, I will go my way. Wow. So yeah, that's definitely one of the things that it's super important, I think, probably uh, because some people are shy or some people think, oh my God. I don't know, how can I approach this person? But you just have to do it, you know, just go for it. Absolutely, absolutely. Like whatever entrepreneurs, uh, any entrepreneur asks me to make a coffee here in the cafeteria that we have close to our office, I'm totally down for that. 
like everybody has 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 30 minutes to have a coffee. It's for sure. Can you explain a little bit briefly what types of funding are there and where does Encomenda uh, sit? Let me explain you first uh, what's Encomenda because we are a very, let's say, particular uh, fund and then we will see like how it is located within the, the fundraising process. Uh, Encomenda is basically what uh, is known to be a, a super angel farm. Uh, that is a concept that appeared in the States some time ago. And the super angel farm is a kind of a mix between the figure of a business angel and the figure of a venture capital. Let's say that uh, business angels themselves are very don't know, close to entrepreneurs, very entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur friendly in terms of shareholders agreement, they are very flexible, no bureaucracy, they, they execute very fast and they deliver very fast. And on the other side, you have the traditional venture capital funds that have a lot of money, can invest a lot of money, make follow-on investments, but they are slow, they demand you a lot of things before investing, uh, they have like very specific procedures to analyze the company, which can take quite a lot of time. Uh, and, and, and of course, they have much more demands in terms of shareholder agreement clauses and so on. So we decided, why don't we get the very best from each team and get a fund that has much more resources, a full dedicated team, and of course, this capability of making follow-on investments that connect those entrepreneurs with larger funds in the future, but with the philosophy that a business angel has. Because at the end, we as Encomenda uh, have been born or have been created by business angels and entrepreneurs, which have been ourselves. Uh, and this is Encomenda. Encomenda is a super angel fund that has three, four million euros to invest in 50 companies in the next three years. Last year, we were the most active seed estate fund in, in Spain. We, we invested in uh, 12 companies. And the idea is to keep investing uh, up to uh, 40 companies. Our initial ticket ranges from 100K to 300K. And then we can make uh, follow-on investments up to 1.2 million euros per company in those companies that have a better, a better evolution. Uh, so, as you can see, we are, we are mixed between the business angel figure and the venture capital figure, which means that our scope in terms of investment ranges quite a bit between the typical family, friends and fools round where you make fundraising to build the product, uh, have the first hires and so on, and the traditional uh, series, uh, well, pre-series A round where you get uh, typical uh, 1 million euros uh, round to uh, start scaling the company. And this is where we're located. Typically you have the family friends and full round, then you have the business angel round, and then you have the pre-series In our case, we can co-invest with those business angels that would be in the second round of uh, a traditional startup, but sometimes we can even invest in pre-product uh, stages. In fact, from the 12, no, uh, from the 
15 companies that were invested, three of them were in the free product stage. Free product stage, that's kind of surprising to me, to be honest. I, I know because there are, there are not a lot of uh, uh, venture capital firms here in Spain that do this. We only do this if we are super sure about the team and about the market. Okay. But of course, it, this is much riskier for, for, for the investor. Entrepreneurs ourselves and we like risk, so that is why we do it. True, it's definitely to be an entrepreneur and as an investor, you have to not be risk averse. So, uh, so that's one of the things to consider. So, you just uh, answer my question that one of the things that you focus on, if you were that's a very low percentage to invest in pre product companies, is because the team, because of the team and the market itself and the idea, let's say. I would say that the three main maybe we can talk about a fourth one, but the three main aspects when analyzing the company is the team, the market, and by the market, I, I, I talk about not only the idea, but how hot that particular market is, and then the stage in which this company is, the business model, the revenues, and so on. And you have the fourth one, which is basically the, the conditions, right? To, to invest in this in this company, but this is like this fourth uh, pillar uh, de uh, depends on, on on each fund because at the end we have an investment thesis, but another growth stage uh, fund may have a completely different one. So this is something that is very strict to to each venture capital firm. We look for entrepreneurs that we smell that are real entrepreneurs and have the ambition to build an international company that can become a very big tech corporation, of course, for full-time dedicated teams, and also teams that are configured by profiles that are super required for the sort of uh, the business model that company has. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you build a software as a service company uh, and, and you are configuring the team. Uh, for a SaaS model, you really need somebody who's really good at tech and product and somebody who is good at sales. Not, not sales and at just selling like in a one to uh, like face to face meetings, but also organizing the sales structure, how we're going to sell, how we're going to find leads, like lead generation, lead nurturing, then how are we going to do the qualifying calls to see if those customers uh, are good for us in terms of, uh, of resources and then how we close those deals. Uh, if you are building a digital native brand, you need somebody who is really good at, let's say, operations and let's say, like the supplies, logistics, uh, stock management, and so on. And then you have the second one, which would be uh, a really good combination between marketing acquisition, uh, marketing acquisition, uh, marketing online, plus branding, right? So you have these two profiles. Depending on the sort of business model that you have, some profiles are more critical than others. And, and we tend to look for complete teams for each of the kind of companies that we invest in. And for example, as, as you were saying that you are uh, somewhere in between the business angel and VC, you also make mm -hmm. suggestions to teams, for example, if you, were, if you invest in them now, in that company that's a pre-product or doesn't matter the stage, 
do you make suggestions of uh, I don't know probably you should hire this type of person are you in the process of the of the growing we, of the we tend to be very active and the recommendations that we have done until now have gone really well let me give you a couple of examples uh, one of the very first companies that we invested in we saw that the CTO uh, was not going to evolve at the same path as the company. We told it to the entrepreneur, uh, to the CEO. The CEO was, was not, uh, like, didn't, didn't think the same and so on. Four months later, he told us, guys, you are right. Uh, we're going to change the CEO. A completely different example. The first company in which, uh, that we invested in, which is going, which is a fintech company, uh, was having some problems regarding uh, product, uh, final optimization during the process of onboarding users and so on. And we recommended them to uh, keep in touch with one product expert that was in our ecosystem. And this guy is right now the chief product officer of, of this company. So that's, that's very good. I mean, I think that's super important to have the, as a startup who's just starting. Uh, it's super important to have that type of uh, help, outside help, who's able to see the entire picture. It's a big picture because sometimes probably CEOs, you know, are, are very, you know, in their daily life and they have many things to think about, but probably... Totally right. Okay, so, right. so it's very difficult to have perspective and being like the whole day with the operations, the product, the marketing, and so on. Okay, and uh, okay, so we we've done the pre-product uh, thing, which is something it's good to know. I suppose it's a low percentage and it's that's risky. But what about like other companies? Which type of metrics do you consider? Is if it's the right thing? It's because of the metrics. For example, one thing you mentioned, which I really really like, is the fact that. Even if it's pre-product, probably some companies can have some revenue already. Explain me the case, if, you, if you've encountered any cases. We met one company that really believed in the statement, this, this, this quote that says, fake it until you make it. Like they, they had a, a, a fake website and then they started selling like crazy. And like behind the scenes, there was like all the operations team, like, making the booking, selling everything, buying and selling and so on. And you have the, the pro market fit, even if you, if you don't have the pro, right? Uh, you can do it, of course. There are some other sort of projects where you need the pro to, to, to do it, but this depends on, on any case for sure. In terms of metrics, uh, I would consider three, three different metrics. Like the first one is unit economics, like customer acquisition cost versus customer lifetime value, which is how much a customer gives you in terms of value, in terms of revenue, versus how much does it costs you to get this customer. This is the very first one. The second one, and I'm a super fanatic of this one, is retention. Retention, engagement, churn. There's a correlation between how much a user loves your product and churn or engagement. We have seen a lot of, like for example, we have invested in one company and this, and this is like crazy. They are getting some revenues, not a lot of them, but it's okay. 
but 70% of their users use their app every day. Wow. Every day. This means that those people are super engaged and the value that you are bringing them is super high. And this is something that when we saw those metrics, we were like, we have to invest here. So even if this company didn't have, uh, for example, revenue, but it had uh, engagement, definitely that's one of the things of the um, keys that tells you that in the future, if they were to charge, people will be willing to pay. Exactly. Well, in, the, in this case, they, they, they have already revenues, but it can happen in the pre-revenue stage where like, you, you don't see the, the business model pretty clear, but you see that the product that you have built is bringing a lot of value to the, to the, to the user. And this can be seen with all the engagement and, and turn metrics that the company can have. And I would say that the third one is the capital efficiency, right? Like if you are able to make your company evolve with as less capital as possible, because at the end, you, you, see, you, you see a lot of companies saying, yeah, we have raised this million euros round, like to do this and this. And this is something cool, right? Like to appear on tech brands and having all these posts in the media and so on. But this is not about raising funds. This is about building something users love and capture that value from the users and being able to, to grow this as much as possible. I know a lot of companies that with very small funding rounds have reached like a lot of value, and a very large valuation. And when exited, uh, like the entrepreneurs were like super rich. Just mentioned um, evaluation of, of companies. How does that process work? Like for entrepreneurs who are out there probably looking for funds and it's something that I suppose you investors, you ask for it, it's something you, you contribute to kind of measure. Well, how do you do, you do that valuation or a general scheme? Because I suppose it depends on the, on mm -hmm. the idea. Yes, there's three ways to do it, okay? The, the, like this way, where like, there is no product, there's only a, a PPT and so on. And this depends on the team and the market mm -hmm. and what's your ability to attract investors to your company. Because at the end, I don't know, if you have a PowerPoint and I don't know, you have a 500,000 funding round and a VC has a commitment with you of half of the round, it's easier to get the second half of the round with other VCs or other business angels. So the evaluation is what the market is eager to pay to be in your company. So that's the very first one. The second one is once you get metrics, metrics define your valuation. Uh, in, in the startup ecosystem, those metrics are, are called multiples. A multiple is a number that you get and you multiply it by a specific measure and a specific metric in the company. And through this multiplication, you can see what's the, the company valuation and there are like, different cases for each business model. For example, you see, let's say that you have a software as a service company. Uh, so you get your MRR, uh, you multiply it by 12 to get your ARR, and then you multiply it if, uh, 
by a number that is in a range between, I don't know, let's say, 8 and 12 or 6 and 12 and it, like being on any part of the range depends on the uh, from the on the team on the market on uh, the level of internalization of the company the churn the month over month growth etc etc but there are like some let's say benchmarks in the market and the third one uh, would be um, like um, what I call the, the the outliers, right? Like those valuations that you cannot understand. Um, this is like one percent of the of the all examples that you can get. You 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 reach those valuations where you have a such an extraordinary team. The marketing with you are is extremely hot, uh, investors see that you are like, super ambitious and you want to uh, build a product that has a worldwide dominance, uh, but this is only 1% of, of all the cases. Okay. And um, that, was, that was very, very interesting. So uh, when you say MRR is monthly recurring revenue, right? Because, uh, just for, for the people who don't know, an ARR in this case, um, it's average return rate? No, it's annual recurring revenue. Okay. So this is, this is something that probably, uh, like myself, probably people don't know. I knew about the first one. There are so many acronyms, but uh, it's uh, very, you need someone of uh, finance in the team whenever you're talking uh, with investors. Uh, investors, uh, like uh, I love all, all, the, all these super w uh, weird words like MRR, CAG, LTV. Yes, yes, yes. That's, uh, that's no. very good anyway. No, my, my, my apologies. No, no, no. It's, it's perfectly fine because you explained the very uh, the the CAC, the CLT, which is uh, you you very explainly. But I just wanted also to to provide that extra information for 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 the listeners. And um, so, people, uh, you've already made such a such a, an outstanding summary uh, about about how the uh, ecosystem in terms of of fundraising works. And what would you suggest um, investor, uh, investors, sorry, founders out there who probably are like, you know, they heard about it, they, it's like a very big buzzword. Everyone is raising. I, heard, I hear it a lot and I bet you do too, especially you. And do you think uh, everyone needs investment? What do you think about that? Like, what is your opinion? It depends. I mean, there are some companies, like if you see Trovid or Mitula, those have been companies that have raised very money and have become like gigantic. Yeah. It depends on the business model, it depends on the scalability of the business, it depends on uh, the, well, the ambition of the team, uh, like the level of, like, the level of, how easy it is to, to go international, it depends on what. Uh, for me, raising funds, is the consequence of growing and like getting more value to the to, to the customers and building a, like, a more accurate product, but it's not an end itself. Okay. 
Yeah, because I, I think it's definitely if you're raising funds, you know, because I hear it a lot. I talk with the, with founders. I think there needs to be a specific objective. It's not just marketing. Marketing can be a part of it, but a very specific objective that you know in terms of, of milestones that if you get mm-hmm. there and probably you've tested that or I don't know uh, in which way, but that money gives you, you know, some runway uh, in order to kind of achieve that milestone. And I think definitely you... As investor, is something that you audit uh, in the long run. Totally agree with you. And if you were to go back, like when you started, when you started your 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 company um, some time ago, uh, which advice would you give to that uh, younger Mario? Now with the, with the, with the things you know now. I could I, I could I, I could write a book about it. Uh, like quite a quite a lot of pieces of advice, but like just to be a bit concrete. The very first thing that you have to do is find the right person to start a project with. And you have to work with somebody that has the same interests, the same priorities. Like if you want to build a unicorn and your partner wants to build something small, that may generate cash flow, this is going to, to, to make the company go to a place where you don't want to be. Uh, Another one, um, apart from the product market fit, you have the founder market fit, which is, uh, is the founding team prepared for that specific market? And in my case, I was not ready for this. We were trying to, to, to sell the software for large corporations, I was 32 years old. I, and I had no experience in sales, how to convince people, how to organize sales, how to make this account management, and so on. So it was really, it made, it had, it made no sense. And of course, uh, when talking about tech startups and digital startups, like building a product is crucial. And the, and the first thing that I made was, I wanted to launch the company was outsourcing the development of the product, which is completely a, a totally a super bad mistake. Wow. Three things that can come to me like yeah, right now. Yeah, I really like that the founder market fit. Like, if the team is ready for that, that's very interesting. Uh, it's a question mm-hmm. that probably people out there should, uh, founders out there should ask themselves. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's pretty funny because sometimes you see super good teams that are in the wrong market for them. I mean, maybe you are brilliant at selling to companies. Why are you starting a B2C startup? Maybe in the B2B landscape, you would be super successful. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very, very interesting point. Because probably sometimes founders don't know, you know, they need to figure out, they don't know what they're very good at or the, the teams and it's something that they learn by doing, you know, so it's something that, that probably, but it's, it's very interesting because it's something I've never thought about and uh, it's interesting that that's very specific because uh, you were mentioning at the very beginning how important that the team, it's specific, it's the best team for that specific business. So uh, I, I think it's, it's aligned with what we are saying and it's a question that probably uh, some startups out there or founders uh, should, should make themselves if they are in the right, uh, probably they are not building the right thing. Exactly. Know? And then you, it's not only the, 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 
founders market fit, but also like the fit between founders, right? I mean, I'm a kind of chaotic person. If I want to start a business, I need somebody who is like, like has his mind super order, of planification, organization, and so on. If I start working with somebody who is as crazy as me, we're going to destroy the company in the second day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something that you, you need to keep an eye uh, whenever you're looking, if you were to look for a founder, that's something you need to keep in mind, like someone that complements, you know? Exactly. And in order to do that, you really need to understand how, like, who you are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And focus, focus, focus on your strengths. And find out, like, find somebody that can complement your weaknesses with his or her strengths. Nice. That's, that's very interesting because um, it requires self-awareness and it, it's kind of uh, personal, like soft skills, you know? Uh, and some people probably don't think about that, but also important to be successful. Exactly. Uh, as, and as, as I told you, it's about people. Like you have metrics, valuations, fundraising, but it's about people. Anyways, you also mentioned, going back to one of the things that uh, you mentioned at the very beginning, it's like um, you also invest on according to how hot is the market where is uh, where is the market hot right now like where are the, the top things to invest on or investors normally invest? the, the hottest market right now is health tech and then you have other industries like fintech still super hot also food tech is, is a space where like there are a lot of companies appearing that are doing like super good things hr tech for example is something pretty interesting also we have invested in some companies there and software like specific SaaS for automatizing processes and so on is something also very very interesting i mean i would i would not invest in for example i don't know a social network right now for example because you're not going to build the next facebook yeah. facebook has been yeah, yeah. So these are the things if people who are listening are thinking of starting a business, probably something that they can do, but this also can change. I suppose it goes on, on trends, you know, analysts normally uh, compare trends and, and foresee what's going to be next. But, uh, but definitely it, this is where you have to be right now to, to raise funds besides the team, besides the what product market fit, all this aspect that you, you, you mentioned before. Um, one thing it also comes to my mind, and I'm thinking of very, very young entrepreneurs, is would you recommend going straight from uni into starting something, or would you recommend some kind of work experience before people starting something? Good question. I mean, I, I, I went straight forward and I failed. I think uh, it depends on the, on the, on the person. We invested in some entrepreneurs that went straight from the uni to, to their project and are brilliant. Uh, I would say that normally I would recommend to have first a bit of experience to understand what a startup is, how it works, get some experience in you know, like some specific areas in sales, in marketing, in product, technology, and so on, and then move on and launch your company. But of course you have exceptions and they break the rule. But at the end, it's about the statistics. I mean, for each uh, super young entrepreneur that starts a company and is a success, you have 99 young entrepreneurs that do not reach that point because of lack of experience and so on. Yeah. 
And um, yes, just to kind of wrap up, if uh, mm -hmm. yeah, people are out there and trying to um, raise funds, um, what would you recommend in terms of approach to investor? Um, mm -hmm. What is the best approach for a person to, to kind of, for a founder in this case, sorry, mm -hmm. uh, to approach investors? What, what do you suggest? I would say, first thing, prepare all the documentation, the metrics, the deck and so on, because at the end, the, the, the presentation card is this, and, and the way a project is discarded is through the deck and through three or four numbers. The second one is understanding who you are talking with. I don't know, we invest in seed estates and we uh, receive projects that are in the in a much later stage, for example, and this is a completely discard. So you need to understand who you are talking with to see what's the probability to get a, a yes or no. And the third one is getting a recommendation. I mean, it's not the same that I receive a project from somebody that I don't know than, I don't know, receiving a, a project from one of my colleagues in another fund or from somebody that I admire or have experience with that tells me, Mario, have a look at, at this project. This guy is brilliant. He's building such an amazing thing and so on. Like I will pay more attention to that rather than the uh, cold calling, let's say, uh, email. Yeah, definitely. That's is that like uh, also for works. No refillers always work better because you know if you send absolutely. It, so it works the same way with 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 investors. So so basically, it's like going through your LinkedIn, seeing who you have in the first uh, great connection with that person, and and just target that person and, and see if if you get can get connected with with the right investor or the right person. Mm -hmm, exactly. Excellent. Uh, I think, I, uh, I don't know if you want to add something else, but it's been great. Um, you Absolutely. Just let me, just 30 seconds uh, yes, to tell people how, how people can, can contact me uh, to, to talk about the projects, uh, to see if the, the, the product, the startup they're launching somehow is, uh, has, can have a match with Comenda, right? Uh, everybody can contact me. Uh, by email at mario at encomenda.com or through the application form that we have in our website www.encomenda.com and we are super eager to keep investing in companies and eager to, to get a coffee with uh, everybody that wants to explain me what he or she is doing. Wow, that's that's very that's excellent. Uh, I suppose it's very it's general. You, you don't focus on anything specific. You just want to know these people and uh, you know see if you can help them somehow and give suggestions. No. Whoever that has a seed project, I can have a coffee with with that person. Nice. So uh, that's excellent. Thank you so much for for pointing this out. So it's interesting how um, I always like to, to say, but like how also investors are doing their own job to reach out to startups. Only start founders think, oh my God, I'm on. They never want to talk to me, but it's not like that. You it's like the opposite. Like we have to be walking like from one place to another. Like uh, I've been like four week, uh, weeks in a row, like in, from Ave to Ave, traveling and sleeping uh, very few hours. At the end, 
you have to to keep moving to make things happen yeah, and it's um, because I didn't know personally, and I think also um, other founders out there probably don't know, but you guys definitely, you are willing to, to meet startups, uh, to, to get to know them and, you know, invest them if they have a good idea that matches your criteria. And, and definitely uh, with this information that you've given, you've given the listener regarding what does Encomenda do and what type of um, criteria do you use in terms of uh, considering a startup for investment. I think it's very useful for, for just people listening to, to consider, to know uh, if they are in the right uh, path and uh, why not, you know, contact you. So it's excellent. It's this is like happens like with companies, no, who are trying to 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 attract talent, no. Also the same thing. Oh, I'm sending my job, my my CV to companies, but they don't call me. But they are out there being also very um, active in terms of uh, acquiring that talent. So so definitely, if there is a match, it will happen. So uh, just people have to to go for it. Absolutely. So thank you so much, uh, Mario. It's been really really great. Uh, yeah, the so uh, wish you a very, a very nice day ahead and uh, can't wait to share this with the listeners. Great. Thank you, everybody that has listened to us and happy to, to, to keep in touch.